Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Offscript. I'm your host, Connor Peters, and today we jump back into the world of Harry Potter. I've got Eric Miner with me once again, and me and Eric discuss our top three favorite books from the series, what our favorite characters were, and defining moments of each book. Really excited to bring this all to life. Now, this is going to be one of our last Harry Potter segments that we have here, um, because leading up in the next few weeks, we're going to have Game of Thrones. So please make sure to tune in to all that, and make sure that you follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to stay locked in on all things off script. Thank you guys for listening, and we are going to have a mailbag episode coming up here in the next few weeks. So please make sure to send your questions to us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or send it to us via email at offscriptpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you, and enjoy. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Offscript. I'm your host, Connor Peters, and once again, I'm here with Eric. Uh, Eric, we've already done a few Harry Potter podcasts, so why not do one more, right? That's right. <laughs> Always room for another Harry Potter podcast. Exactly. Now, we just covered uh, the – previously, we discussed the top ten chapters. Um, we had two different episodes for that, so please, if you haven't listened, make sure to go back and listen to that. We also have a top ten characters chapter. That was our first episode ever. Um, but, Eric, today we're going to mix it up a little bit and do personal favorites. Sounds good. So we want to just talk to you guys and uh, discuss our top three favorite books in the series and just kind of why we have them in there, uh, what our favorite moments were, favorite characters, things like that. Um, So Eric, you just want to jump right in? Yeah, man. Let's do it. All right, let's go. So uh, coming in hot, number three, what was your third favorite book of the series? Number three, we're going right in the middle with Goblet of Fire. It's... I mean, what can I say? It's the one that's different from all of them. Of course, you don't get the Quidditch matches, but as a huge bonus, you get the huge Triwizard Tournament. Something that only happens, what was it, every hundred years, every couple hundred years. Yeah. I think they canceled it, something, because too many students were dying. <laughs> exactly. Classic Wizarding World. No regard for children's safety. But remember, safest place on Earth, Hogwarts. Always, <laughs> no matter what. Even if they're fired, breathing dragons trying to kill you so you can get an egg for the next task. So That's right, but Dumbledore's there, so we're good. That's true. <laughs> I've got a hot take for you after this um, in regards to Hogwarts safety, but just to ask you and I guess see why Goblets is high on the list for you, um, in this case, what was your defining moment of that book? So comes at the end of the book, uh, I would say in... 36th chapter, it's all parting of the ways. We talked about this a little bit in our previous podcast, but you get a great line in there after the reveal of who Barty Crouch is and what a criminal mastermind he is. Uh, you get probably my favorite encounter of the whole book where you have Dumbledore confronting Fudge, and Fudge has vehemently denying the fact that Voldemort's returned because it means that he's got to get up off his fat, lazy bum and after having peace for the last 13 years, he's got to actually do something critical and important, face some real evil. And basically Dumbledore calls him out on it, and Fudge refuses to listen to what Dumbledore has to say. So you get clear battle lines drawn between Dumbledore's side and the ministry, the mainstream media. The fourth estate going down with it. So Exactly. Um, yeah, that's a great moment. And also you get a lot of... Uh, yellow journalism from Rita Skeeter. Another positive. <laughs> Ooh, gotta love it from the bug on the wall. 
Yeah, exactly. But turned out she was actually just a bug on the wall the whole time. So who knew? Who would have thought that? Who knew? <laughs> uh, favorite character, uh, since we just mentioned Rita Skeeter, I don't think she's your favorite. But in that book, uh, what character I guess stood out to you most? Well, we're going to talk about the first guy that I've mentioned in this whole book. Uh, we're going to go with Barney Crouch Jr. Again, he is a criminal mastermind. Not only does this man have to plot the whole year of how Voldemort exactly wants Harry to arrive in the graveyard and how he wants him to win the tournament. This man's got to be Mad-Eye Moody, who hunts criminals, and he's got to keep him in the his box the whole year. And he's actually got to teach. So he's got these... You know, pre-pubescent all the way up through, you know, 17-year-olds getting out into the real world. And he's actually got to teach and be a good teacher like Mad-Eye Moody. I mean, that's pretty incredible. And the weird part is what we see from Harry's seven years, well, six years technically. Uh, he's probably in the top, I mean, not probably, he's, he's in the top half of best teachers in Defense Against the Dark Arts. <laughs> Honestly, he might be... He might be number two after Lupin. Yeah, was, yeah, Snape, I mean, Snape was probably good, just Harry didn't listen to him. But yeah. It's, yeah, we're getting Harry's perspective on it, so we're putting Snape lower on that. Exactly, all right. So we're, we're in agreement there. But yeah. Um, great. So last piece here I just want to ask you on in regards to the Goblet of Fire. Uh, what was your favorite uh, bit of magic? Uh, in that book in particular, there's tons of different magic going on. I mean, we have... The Trevor's Tournament, like you said. So what was your personal favorite piece of magic throughout the book? Yeah, honestly, I mean, this whole book, it's like Harry studying early for the SATs. Only actually fun. Because, well, <laughs> also also dangerous because you know you could die if you don't master it. So very high stakes SATs, both the summoning charms and the gillyweed. But the favorite thing is a little more lighthearted is uh, the fact we get an introduction to the fact that there's not just Hogwarts. Surprise, surprise, there are other wizarding schools. You get you get Durmstrong, you get Bobatong, and I mean you get a little bit of this in the Triwizard uh, or excuse me, the uh, the Quidditch World Cup. The fact that there's wizards and witches from other lands, but the fact that there's other students as well is pretty cool. Um, it sets up the different personalities from each of the schools. You get the headmasters who are and headmistress for Madame Maxine, um, and even now, fast forward to 2018, 19, and beyond, you get the new Grindelwald movies. Yep. Uh, yeah, I like that. Because it does, that book kind of sets up the future of Crumb, his time at Durmstrang, and what Grindelwald meant to him um, compared to Xenophilius Lovegood, who thinks he's a quester for the Deathly Hallows, and Crumb's mad at him because he's like, oh no, you're a. Uh, yeah, that's Grindelwald's mark. So, yeah, I like that. That's good. Um, all right, so you're good with me, Transition. Are you good with Goblet of Fire there? Absolutely. All right, perfect. Um, all right, so my my turn. So my third favorite. Uh, this was a tough one. We were kind of we were debating for a while which books to pick. Um, but on the reread, I really enjoyed uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm. Uh, I thought it uh, stuck out for a multiple a lot of reasons. Um, you know, first off, Harry fights back against his aunt and uncle for the first real time. <laughs> Get the classic blowing up your aunt scene. Yeah, yeah. you know, classic uh, bit of literature there. <laughs> and my favorite Doesn't part. Every... 
doesn't every 13 year old just want to blow up an aunt and uncle at some point <laughs> in your life? Like, hopefully not. You probably do. Exactly. Like, personally, I didn't, but someone out there maybe. <laughs> Uh, but I love how Fudge just like blows it all like oh don't worry about it we're just gonna brush it under the rug you're fine <laughs> I mean you get him going come no Harry we don't send people to Azkaban for blowing up their arms <laughs> um, but yeah so I, I do like that beginning and then the whole book uh, it's well paced um, covers a lot of school ground I mean every book does but uh, this one in particular we have Gryffindor wins the Quidditch World or Quidditch World Cup, the Hogwarts House Cup, um, and they the Quidditch Cup. They win the World Cup. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> what can you imagine? Wood was freaking out when they won the Hogwarts Quidditch Cup. If they won the Quidditch World Cup, oh my gosh, that guy would have been out there and just screaming at his team all practice leading up to it. So. <laughs> yeah, probably wouldn't have been good for his health. <laughs> probably not, or is the team. Team probably would have uh, mentally just broken down. <laughs> They'd have asked for Ron at keeper instead. Exactly. <laughs> oh man. Uh, but yeah, so my during that time, um, just kind of pivot from me and Eric. But uh, I was asking Eric. So defining moment. Um, my defining moment for that book, because uh, I mean there there's a lot going on, especially with the serious reveal. Uh, but I actually like when. Uh, Pettigrew's revealed. I think that's a more impactful uh, moment because Harry, Ron, and Hermione, in the book especially, they've all just uh, Expelliarmus Snape and knocked him out. (laughs) How badass is that, knocking out your teacher? Oh, yeah. Like, all at the same time. Like, it's perfect. And then, like, that's how tuned in they are. Like, they believe Sirius and Lupin now. Um, So, yeah, Pettigrew being revealed. And also, uh, Ron, it turns out, has been sleeping next to a 35-year-old man. And he didn't realize it. You know, there's few things more creepy out there than realizing you've had a grown man for 13 years watching you sleep. You've been feeding him, too. (laughs) Keeping him in your pocket. (laughs) There's a lot of ways that this could have gone. Wasn't expecting it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not go into that. Poor Ron. Ron was just disturbed. Uh, but yeah, and then on top of that, um, <laughs> I'm gonna skip. I'm gonna skip ahead to my favorite bit of magic first. So my favorite bit of magic is the Marauders map, and I just think it's funny because Fred and George were looking at that map and probably saw Ron and saw Peter Pettigrew's name right next to him, and they're like, "Eh, <laughs> we don't worry about this." <laughs> they're they're probably like, oh, "Good for Peter. He never comes to class." Yeah, like, oh, gosh, we have a classmate who never shows up. This guy, we need to learn from him. (laughs) We've been trying to find him for three years. (laughs) He always just sneaks on by us. (laughs) That's good. Um, And then we were talking about characters. Uh, Best character in Prisoner, I thought, was Lupin. Uh, The whole story basically revolves around Harry trying to understand who he is in the magical world. First two books were fine in just a uh, here's a classic adventure book. Third one though went a little deeper into the mythology and history behind Harry Potter and Hogwarts as a series, and uh, especially in Prisoner, we see Harry grow up more. Um, you know he's still kind of an angsty teenager, but he learns about his mom and dad. He learns about Sirius, uh, goes back and saves him, and all he's looking forward to is just you know being like his dad. Quite frankly. 
And so with Lupin, who is my favorite character in this, uh, he gets that. He gets someone from the past that's able to teach him all about what it's like, you know, what it was like being with his father. Um, Sirius is also in there to teach him that. But I think Lupin does a great job of being, one, a great teacher for Harry. Uh, two, shows us that no matter what you are, it doesn't it doesn't matter, you know, even though he's a werewolf in that world and he's ostracized by the communities. Um, he's still a great wizard and a great human being. And I agree. Uh, yeah. And also, you get a little sense of it's it's really cool how like the first lesson that they have to do where they're battling a bogart. I yeah. mean they're a bogger, whatever. I mean, you have to the whole point is that you have to tackle your biggest fears. Yeah. And that's really what Lupin teaches Harry to do. And not only that, he points out that he's he's wise for being afraid of the things he is. And he really gives Harry hope for maybe one of the first times in the whole series. Oh, completely. Completely. And there's a lot of moments in uh, – and then the movie I think does a great job with it too. But in the book, I like where uh, Lupin will just point out where Harry picks a memory. And he's like, well, Harry, that's, that's not strong enough. You need something yeah. powerful. Like we – uh, but he's always there to lend a, you know, he's caring towards the kids, but he's there to lend a, uh, I guess, more of a, uh, he's not aggressive with his, I'm trying to think of the right word, Eric. You're, um, he has, he has a way of having almost a doting, gentle, but firm hand. Doting is exactly what I was looking for. Thank you. That's, that's why you're here. That's really, the, that's the only reason I'm here. Only reason. <laughs> Um, but yes, he's very and he's a very good teacher. We were just uh, laughing about Harry's best teachers, worst teachers, things like that. And Lupin's probably the best defense against dark arts teacher that he has. So, um, yep. All right. Well, that was our third books. Um, let's jump ahead now. Uh, your second book um, on the reread. What was your second favorite one? Yeah. So number two, coming in hot. It's the last book, Deathly Hollows. Um, I loved it. Surprise, surprise! It's not the top one, um, but it's got enough. It's got enough action in there to put it in the top three. No, oh, completely. Yeah, I, I'm not going to fight you on that. I mean, from the get go, um, we have the uh, Moody end up dying at the Seven Potters. I mean, that's just crazy, and then it, it only proceeds to get more intense as it goes on. So. Um, oh, absolutely. I mean, you get the three of them. You know, Ron, Harry, and. Hermione going off on their own quest. First off, they leave school, so props to them. Um, but just, you know, this how they're going off on their own, living a day in, day out, putting up the enchantments, uh, actually moving every day or two, uh, effectively in hiding away from the rest of the uh, or the rest of the wizarding world. Uh, it's really cool. It's unlike any other books. No, completely. What was your defining moment of the book? So defining moment comes after uh, after the prince's tale in the forest again, chapter thirty four, where Harry just learns really the whole, finally the whole truth, who he is, why why he ultimately has to die because he's the last quote, the last Horcrux. He's got part of Voldemort living inside of him, um, and he he realizes that this has been all part of the plan, and somewhere. He knew that deep down, but he finally has to admit it. And it's quite amazing to think about. He's 17. He's walking away. He doesn't tell anybody, and he's willingly walking to die. 
And right then and there, he has this moment where he realizes, ah, the snitch, where it has the writing on it that says, I open at the close. And he looks down at it and he says, I am going to die. And surprise, surprise, he finds the resurrection stone hidden inside the golden snitch. And I always, I just love that moment after where he, he brings back his mom, dad, Sirius and Lupin. And it's all the people that were probably, his, I mean, his family, so his mom and dad, but then Lupin and Sirius were a brother and father to him of sorts. Um, and it's just, it's really cool how she ended up tying all of it back together. Uh, and just, you get to have that moment with those characters and they guide Harry at that point to Voldemort. And uh, quite frankly, that's what I think turns Harry into like the actual master of death. Agreed. Right. Because he's already had, he's had the cloak his whole life that's been passed down just normally to him. And he's, we learn later on and he's kind of figured this out, but he's really the master of the Elder Wand after disarming Malfoy. Uh, So yeah, this, we'll talk about this a little later, but You could argue this is right when he becomes the, quote, master of the three hallows. Yep, no, exactly. Um, Next, I just want to ask you what your favorite character was. Yeah, so we're going to give some props to uh, the lady figure of the triumvirates in this series. (laughs) Uh, We're going to go with Hermione here. I mean, quite frankly, they... (laughs) One of my favorite lines is when Ron goes from, now pulling from the movies here, where he goes, you mental, we wouldn't last two days without her. Uh, don't tell I said that. <laughs> it's the truth. They would, have, they would have died back in the first book from that troll who got in the dungeon, if it weren't for Hermione. So, this is props for her saving their behinds on every single quest they're on. I mean, between... Between her Mary Poppins bag, having anything and everything stowed away, uh, erasing her parents' memory to start off their quest. I mean, who does that? Who has the... Extremely underrated, right? Yeah. And never never mind the fact she says later on that she's no good at memory times. That's bogus. She's brilliant. She she also manages to stick by Harry and... September in the book when Ron up and leaves he can't handle it um she sticks with Harry because she knows that it's they were tasked with this they have to stay the course and they have to beat Voldemort and she willingly lets the guys she's in love with walk out yeah. so it's very, very she's wildly underappreciated the entire time <laughs> I guess I'm always, and I'm also confused because in the movies, I mean, Emma Watson's very attractive, and in the book, it's not. It, it's not supposed to be like that. But I, I think it's funny because in the movies, there's a certain level where you're like, yeah, there's no way, and like Harry's just gonna ignore her the entire time. Like <laughs> he would at least entertain the thought. Completely. Like in the book, he's like, yeah, no, she's my sister. Like him and Ron get in a fight, and it breaks him down. He doesn't talk to Hermione for weeks, and he just kind of forgets. He's like, oh yeah, that's right, you're still here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, different note, uh, what was your favorite piece of magic from the uh, seventh book? So, we're going to go with, I mean, stay in the obvious, but we're going to go with the Hallows here. Um, I mean, it's it's cool how J.K. Rowling takes just a class, just in this 
world, at least just a classic children's tale, and makes it you know a really central element of the you know the culmination of the whole series. Um, the fact that you have you know the Elder Wand, the Resurrection Stone, and the, the Invisibility Cloak. Um, I, what I think is also really cool about this is in the chapter where they talk about it in 21 the tale of the three brothers it's cool because after uh after lovegood explains to them that all these about what the story the tale of three brothers what each of the hallows are you get harry ron and hermione all saying which of their hallows that they would want um and it's cool because hermione picks the cloak ron takes the wand and surprise surprise harry picks the stone um and it shows how, you know, Hermione's practical and Ron is interested in being powerful and, uh, you know, having something he never had. And all Harry wants is just to have his friends and his parents back. Yeah, right. Like, it's so sad when you th- put it like that. But you're right. Like, Ron always is, like, second best in everything. And he just wants, he wants the one to be like, hey, I'm actually best now. Hermione's picking the answer that the book tells her she should pick. And Harry's just like, I, I just want to see everyone again. Like, Honestly, it's it's like he's it's like he's 11 again and looking at the mirror of Harry said and he's just seeing his parents again. And it's 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 kind of sad. But it's also I mean, it's touching. Um, yeah. So it's good. All yeah. right. And then we did. And well, I mean, if you go back and listen to our previous podcast, we go a little more in depth in the uh, forest again, and then definitely the prince's tale there. So classic chapters, the last 200 pages of Deathly Hallows are fantastic. I mean, there's, it's hard to really beat any of that. If it's been years since you've read it, you should, you should pick it up tomorrow and read it. Yeah. I mean, from like the Gringotts battle on, um, I mean, it's just, oh, it's pure gold, pure gold. So, um, great. Let's, uh, I'm going to go on now to my second, uh, pick. Uh, we, so now uh, my second favorite book, especially on the reread, I absolutely loved, uh, Half-Blood Prince. Uh, Eric, we've talked about this one at length before. Half-Blood Prince though, I think this is her best work. Um, you know, and, and I, it's not my favorite, it's not my favorite book, but it's pretty close. She does a lot of really impressive, uh, bits of writing in it. I think she's at her best, like you said, when the writing within the children's story, um, within the actual book itself, I thought that was a very, very good chapter, uh, Tale of Three Brothers. On top of that, I really like all the memories that she has in uh, Half-Blood Prince. She does a great job setting the scenes, creating you know, the conflict between uh, the ministry worker who goes to the mm-hmm. House of Gaunt and you see that the beginnings of Voldemort, I mean, quite frankly, it, it just, it's, it's sad. I mean, Marope Gaunt lived in an impoverished family and was abused by her dad and brother. And that ends up being Voldemort's mother. And it's, it's very shocking. And I think uh, the first time I read it, especially I mean, as a child, I think we were 11. Um, it, it's just, Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just shocking. I, I, even then, you're reading it like, wow. I mean, Voldemort's family was really terrible. <laughs> I mean, it's so bad that you almost you almost feel sorry for the guy. Yeah, and I think she does a great job with that, is uh, painting it where he's at the orphanage and he has no friends. And I love the scene where he, him and Dumbledore are talking, and Dumbledore tells him, hey, you're a wizard, 
And he says, I always knew I was special. <laughs> it's like, ooh. What? And like, it's, he was waiting for the confirmation where Harry on the other end is like, me? No, I'm not. I'm just Harry. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, Hagrid. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then he, he tells Dumbledore, I'm going to go into Diagon Alley by myself too. So I love when they go back in those memories. We see the cup. Uh, we see the locket where he goes and he's charming to everyone. I mean, he charms Hebsbeth Smith. I mean, she loves him. And two days later, she's caught dead by the house self, supposedly. And Dumbledore mm-hmm. takes the possessions away from her. Um, you so, know, as uh, as Jim Carrey in How the Grinch Stole Christmas would say, he'd say, nice girl, bad judge of character. <laughs> yeah, well said. I like it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, so... Moving on, though, uh, with Half-Blood Prince. So I do love all the memories. On top of it, the book in in general here, um, I'm sure we'll talk about this a little more going forward. I do like how Harry's now been tasked, essentially, with you have to kill Voldemort. Dumbledore's told him this information. But he really just kind of wants to go out on dates and just hang out with Jenny in the common room. And like, yeah. Yeah, and meanwhile, he's got detention from Snape every Saturday at the end of the <laughs> right. book. Like, can you imagine the kid's the chosen one and you're giving him detention? <laughs> <laughs> like, you kind of got to give props to Snape almost for that. Yeah. You know, he's like, you're the chosen one, but I can still do whatever I want to you. Yeah, it's when, when the teacher is actually strict on, like, the starting quarterback. And is like, yeah, like, I don't care who you it's are. It's like, come on. Yeah. It's like, come on. It's like, is Nick Saban really going to hold back Tua? No. <laughs> He's going to start him. Right. Grades be damned at that point. <laughs> so, uh, next part, I just want to mention um, favorite magic. Uh, it kind of ties in, but within the memories, uh, I do love uh, the Horcruxes, uh, that revelation. Um, it makes so much sense. Uh, you go going back to the diary, you find out what that is, you find out the ring. Uh, that you saw previously throughout, uh, you know, that's a Horcrux. Dumbledore and Harry then discuss what the other Horcruxes are. And I think it's fascinating that he, he draws the conclusion that Nagini is a Horcrux. And, I, and I'm pretty sure he gets that in the fifth book when Harry sees into the snakes and to Nagini's eyes while she's attacking Mr. Weasley. That's where he draws that conclusion from, I believe. Right. Well, he also mentions how... He, how uh, Tom had an unnaturally close bond with that snake, you know, more than just anybody else who might have spoke partial tongue. So you're right. He, we all know that Dumbledore is brilliant, and he sees leaps and bounds beyond everybody else. But that was a very telling moment that he picked up on that in this yeah. book. Because he says, like, I believe it's a snake, and you're right. And he, he drops those hints of, hey, because he's very close with the snake. However, when you, I reread the fifth, I caught that, and I'm like, no, that's... That's really when Dumbledore knew. So, um, yeah. And then uh, the favorite, my favorite memory is the movie doesn't do the justice at all. I think the books are ones far superior. But um, my favorite part in the book with that is when Slughorn is talking to Tom Riddle, uh, and we get the full memory, and we see that Slughorn, who by the way is my favorite character in this, so it's all tying together here nicely for me. Uh, but Slughorn, he's just he's, he's an ambitious guy. He wants, though, to educate young people. He doesn't care what their blood status is. She finally wrote a Slytherin character that isn't just evil inherently. Um, 
You mean they shouldn't just all be locked up in Azkaban? Right, exactly, right? I mean, there's certain, like, in, especially remember the seventh movie, or eighth movie, technically, where McGonagall's like, throw all the Slytherins in the dungeon? You're like, okay. <laughs> You're like, we've been waiting for this for eight movies. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, you can throw the Malfoys all in there, but probably not the 11-year-old kids. <laughs> I mean, let them, let them mess up first. Like, yeah, send them, send them home first. Come on. Um, but yeah, I do love in the book where Slughorn's talking to him and Slughorn sees the red in his eye because in Voldemort's very, uh, just very persuasive where he gets him like the crystallized pineapple. He's like, oh, thank you. It's my favorite. It's little details like that where, oh, we see that, you know, Voldemort, Voldemort knows what he's doing. He's very on top of his game. And to make things worse, Slughorn didn't realize, Slughorn didn't realize you can tell, um, in the book until the Horcrux conversation, who exactly he was going to be. But after that, and that's why it's a regret of his, is because, one, he he gave this boy information that he knows he used from then on out. But then, two, I think he's just sad because he clearly loved Harry's um, mom. You know, he thought she was a fantastic student. And uh, you, know, you can imagine that he th- probably blames himself for her death. Um, right. I mean, you know, it's like any time that you're, I don't know, a contributor to, you know, something bad that happens. Like, it's clearly not all his fault. I mean, but this was clearly, I'm sure just in his mind, like, it's just the final push to take him from not just, you know, evil and kind of, you know, mean and maybe kind of dangerous to all the way to the most evil, the most dangerous, just the most feared wizard ever. Right. And he blames, he puts a lot of that burden on himself, especially in the scene with uh, Hagrid and Harry um, in the hut where Harry's talking to him and he's like, please, please don't judge me on this. And I should do love Slughorn because we get him for one year, but he's a great potions teacher, teaches Harry a lot, uh, well, as does Snape, but that's for another day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Different sort of teaching. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, but yeah, and Slughorn, he, he's just... You can, he's an ambitious guy. He's what you imagine the last Slytherins to be. Is they're ambitious? They're always kind of looking out for their own neck, but that they care. You know, it's they care about people. And that Slughorn was a great teacher, and he's upset that his student ended up turning on him in such a meaningful way. So, yeah, to some extent, Slughorn, Slughorn's got a lot of those character character characteristics that the hat, like the Sorting Hat, at the beginning of the first book, probably saw in Harry. Oh yeah, very much so. Is he Slughorn wants to be around successful people, um, and I just think that's it's very interesting, very, very kind of fascinating um, how that works and how that dynamic plays out. Because he's always trying to get Harry. He's all like, doesn't matter. He's a Gryffindor, and same thing like when he talks about Sirius uh, and his brother Regulus, where he says, I, "Regulus is in my house, but I I wish I had Sirius Black. I would have liked the set." Yep, <laughs> he's kind of like a collector. <laughs> you know, that's right. So yeah, and that's uh, and I'm, I'm in love where Harry's just a, kind of attacks him early on because he finds out he's a Slytherin and attacks him like my mom's a pure blood and he's like, oh no no, I don't mean any prejudice by it. He's like, actually, I loved your mother. And it, it's of just of course she's right there on the shelf. Right, exactly. And it's just it's very interesting uh, the dynamic that she creates with him. And I'm I'm very impressed with a lot of her work, especially with Slughorn in that book. Um, but yeah, Half Blood Prince, fantastic. We, we'll probably talk a little more about it 
in a few minutes here. So, <laughs> or right now, you just want to jump right in, Eric? Ugh, spoiler alert. Sorry. Um, surprise, surprise. <laughs> Half-Blood Prince is my favorite book. Um, I mean, like Connor said, you've get, you get a lot of the backstory of Voldemort. Um, you get you get a taste of what a, a different slither, Slytherin is like. Um, you get, but on a different note, you get Harry in charge of the Quidditch team. Uh, he gets to play with Ron. He gets to play with Ginny. Uh, a whole new set of characters. Uh, he learns a ton about potions. Uh, you could say he has the homeschooled method this time of potions. <laughs> Instead, <laughs> you know, where he's, he's reading at home. He's learning spells. Uh, he's probably learning almost as much as about potions as he did about defense against the dark arts in the fourth book when he's studying for or training for the triwizard tournament um you know and of course at the end we get some you know some dramatic scenes with uh harry and dumbledore after the year of personal tutoring that dumbledore gives him which is pretty awesome that it's it's like this last year of the greatest wizard of all time passing down everything that he knows or things that Harry might need, you know, to the boy who lived. Uh, so you get that passing of the torch. Um, and it's, yeah, and it's got, everybody knows, got great ending at the end, also very, very sad ending. Yeah, so let's go to that. Uh, defining moment for you, is it is it the ending? So not quite the ending, but just before. Uh, about a couple chapters from the end, the lightning struck tower, uh, it's right where Harry and Dumbledore come back, and Dumbledore is weakened from having to drink all that potion in the cave to get the Horcrux, and they're up in the tower, and we all know what happens. Malfoy reveals his big plan. Dumbledore freeze, er, freezes Harry, and just before all the, or right when all the Death Eaters come around, and then Snape finally comes up, Dumbledore finally begs Snape to kill him, and Snape does what we think is the horror, biggest horror of the whole series, but is actually the biggest, you know, amounts of mercy and kindness that he could have showed Dumbledore. Um, and we don't know it at the time, but it's all part of the bigger plan, and it's probably the most essential element of that plan. Well, I mean, we had to wait two years for any resolution to that. Honestly, I mean, imagine our middle school selves having to wait for two years to find out, wait, Snape isn't the most evil guy in the whole series? Yeah. Well done, Rowling. Well done. Yeah, completely. No, that was, I remember that just being such a big deal. And, I mean, theories abound on, what, you know, is Snape actually evil? Is he not? What is it? You know, so, yep. Um, that's a great scene. And then, quite frankly... From the chapter Seer Overheard through the White Tomb is some of her best work, actually, I think. Um, I mean, that that ending in that book is pretty much perfect, I think. But maybe it's just me. So. You know, it's, it's fantastic. You get six top-notch chapters right in a row, and that just happens to be just, just at the tip. Yep. And, I mean, I... Of defining movements... No, I love how in that book, uh, Harry learns Snape is the one who re- basically reported on his parents to Voldemort. And just before they're going to get the Horcrux. And so, I mean, that's in the back of his head. And then Snape kills Dumbledore. So he's like, I mean, he has to be 
working for Voldemort the whole time. Like, this doesn't make any sense. Um, so, yeah, I, I like that. Uh, what's your favorite character from that? Yeah, so we're going to mix it up a little bit, and I've already mentioned him, but Malfoy is actually my favorite character. Uh, you get shocking that we're picking another Slytherin in the top of our list, but, you know, for as as cool as Harry is finally in this book, like, people like him, you know, Ginny ends up liking him, all the teachers now like him, well, besides Snape, of course, uh, but Slughorn likes him, he's top tops of potions, you, you get his biggest rival, Malfoy, who finally, for once, isn't the biggest bully in Harry's life, he's actually a bit of a recluse, and Harry is the one who's obsessed with Malfoy now, um, and you get... I mean, imagine you're 16, what, 17, whatever Malfoy is at the time, and his family's disgraced from this pure blood family, and he's got to come up with a plan to kill Dumbledore. Um, it's it's ridiculous, you know, and it's an insurmountable task, and yet he follows through the entire way, repairs the cabinet, somehow manages to hide that from Dumbledore. Shocking. And then basically carries out the whole plan. He just can't kill Dumbledore. Um, but it's just, it's just remarkable. You really see how how intel how brilliant he is and how cunning he is and um, yeah, just how it, how inventive he is as well. Uh, very much so. Um, and I, I do like it where at the end Voldemort ba- or Voldemort, I'm sorry, Dumbledore brings up to him and says, uh, "Mouth, you know, Draco, you you let." murders into the castle where your friends and fellow students sleep and Malfoy's yeah. kind of like this is and like when especially Fenrir Greyback and he says he's like that that wasn't part of my plan and you can tell he doesn't want this like he he does not want to be in the situation at all and he's just forced there by his family so oh yeah I mean the poor kid he's stuck shoot Imagine us saying that, the poor kid describing Malfoy. But he's really stuck between a rock and a hard place, and this is the best that he can do. And he's just lucky that Snape you know, made the unbreakable vow and that he had already planned with Dumbledore to kill Dumbledore anyway. Right, because Snape, we can, we can assume here that Snape was trying to figure out what the plan was so we could avoid anything like this. Because he didn't right. want Death Eaters in the in the actual school itself. Um, no. <laughs> so yeah, um, I mean overall though that such chapter is fantastic. Now a good pick on Malfoy actually. I like that we picked two Slytherins for <laughs> Half Blood Prince, best characters. So. That's right. Uh, Gotta give credit where credits due. <laughs> uh, on that though, what was your favorite piece of magic? Yeah, so fun little fun little potion actually. Um, introduced early on, it's the Felix Felicis potion, otherwise known as Liquid Luck. <laughs> um, it's pretty. It's a pretty awesome potion. I mean, you got Polyjuice potion. You've got the. I mean, even the living draft or draft of death or whatever that they have to brew is cool. Um, but Felix Felicis helps them a lot. I mean, you know, helps Ron. As as far as he knows, <laughs> help them win that Quidditch match. Uh, it helps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As far as he knows, uh, helps them actually get the memory from Slughorn. That was pretty awesome. 
And even at the very end, when Harry knows something could go down when he's with Dumbledore, and he gives the potion to Hermione and Ron and Ginny, and they make note that they might have all died if it weren't for the potion. Um, so even there, you know, a highly underrated use of the potion, and one the movie doesn't talk about. Um, but also, who doesn't want a lucky potion? I mean, I stand by this. I mean, could they not have just brewed that thing up and just said, all right, here's what we're going to do. We've got some Polyjuice Potion. We're each going to take a small sip of it so it lasts like an hour so we can try to break into the ministry, grab what we need, and get out. I mean... You know, I'll say that Hermione thought of everything, but she probably didn't bring a potion set with her. All right, well, you know what? Fine. I'll give you that. (laughs) She thought of almost everything. Almost. Yeah, I like that. Okay, fair enough, Eric. (laughs) You've convinced me. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, great. I mean, great pick. Hot Blood Prince clearly is high on both of our lists. Um, Yeah, really, really enjoyable book. Rereading that one was very easy. Uh, It jumps right in. The Other Minister, that's the other piece we didn't bring up. But that's a fantastic chapter. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of, you're going back through the years and Fudge is like, oh, by the way, just to let you know, a few dragons are going to be flying over here, a sphinx, nothing you need to worry about. <laughs> and, yeah, right. It's like, all right, thanks, Fudge. Thanks for that minor detail. Hey, exactly. Exactly. And then Scrimminger, uh, uh, Scrimjar, I th- yeah, I think that's how you pronounce it, but um, him and Harry battling it out, uh, I do love all that, where it's, hey, we kind of want you to be our poster boy, and Harry's like, well... Dolores Umbridge is still working there, and she cut my hand open uh, a lot last year, so I'm good. Yeah, you know, and uh, and uh, my boy Stan, yeah, you ain't let him go yet. Yeah. So, uh, Which it turns out cool. he's actually a Death Eater in the seventh book. It's like, oh, good, good effort, Harry, but... <laughs> <laughs> Tried to be noble, but uh, yeah. somebody different. Yeah, that's right. You, it was a good point to prove, but still. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So last one, uh, Eric, I'm just going to – I'll go out. Uh, my favorite has always been, and even on the reread, it, I solidified it, was uh, Goblet of Fire. Uh, I absolutely just loved every page. Uh, the, the whole thing is leading up. It's this big mur- – kind of like a murder mystery, quite frankly. It's uh, Yeah, it really is. You know, we're just kind of building in, building up, building up. We have the scenes with the uh, pensive uh, – where it shows the different, you know, Bagman, it shows Crouch Jr., it shows Crouch and just who it might be and Dumbledore's trying to, you see Dumbledore trying to plan this out and see what's going on. And then the big reveal at the end, um, Voldemort comes back crazy. At the same time, we also in that same book get Harry trying to ask a girl out to the Yule Ball. Uh, <laughs> Failing miserably. Oh, but. completely, yeah. I, I do love in the uh, movie where it's Ron is sitting there and they're singing the song and everybody's dancing and the girl's like, are you going to ask me to dance or not? He's like, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> He's honest, if nothing else. Yeah, what are those? Dress robes. Well, those look all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but yeah, in that my favorite... Uh, Favorite defining or defining moment, I'm sorry. Defining moment of it, I would have to say Voldemort returning uh, was a game changer. I mean, I read the book when I was in like second grade. And I mean, that was just mind blowing uh, when that happened. So Voldemort returning is definitely high, high, high up on my list there. Um, 
Also, though, Barty Crouch Jr., uh, I know you mentioned it earlier, but still just that reveal with Winky. Oh, man. I mean, mm. uh, you remember the first time you read all that? I mean, it made my head spin. Yeah, it's I mean, and then looking back through it, uh, the Marauders map, they get, you know, Moody gets the Marauders map from Harry and you're like, oh, man, like little, little inklings here and there. She gave, gave you a trail and it's just kind of crazy how all that turned out. So, um, but yeah, uh, favorite character, we haven't mentioned him yet, but we're going to throw, throw one, a bone to him here. Uh, Harry is down for my favorite character. <laughs> Finally gets his moment. Exactly. And that's only because he faced a dragon, uh, he befriended Dobby, who made him or stole the gillyweed for him, so that counts. Um, and then, quite frankly, the whole battle with Voldemort, just, I mean, that that's incredible. Uh, I mean, reading that was just, I mean, you, you can't stop. I mean, those like last two, three hundred pages, I mean, you're just ripping through all of them. Uh, and then it ends with him in a battle with the ministry. So, really cool stuff there. And he does all this at the age of 14. 14. Exactly, and oh, I like I love how when he wins, he gives the uh, earnings to Fred and George. Uh, great moment there, and he's like, "I think we can all use a laugh." Uh, yeah, uh, best. Um, and then it, last thing, because uh, we uh, we've talked about favorite bit of magic. I did love the uh, pensive in this one uh, because we see, as and Eric you pointed out, we see Neville's parents actually for the first time. Well, we don't see them, but we hear about them and why. He lives with his grandmother. It's they're tortured. Uh, we see Bellatrix for the first time, and you realize, oh man, like she's going to be a player moving forward. We see Barty Crouch Jr. and in the in the movie they do a bad job of this. In the movie, the the guy's like licking his lips and going crazy, and is like, "Hello, father," and you're like, "Oh yeah, he's definitely a killer." Uh, and, it's like, oh, he's definitely evil. He yeah. belongs there. Yeah, he's like, ah, you know, yelling at him. And then in the uh, book, though, it's he's a kid. He's like 18, 19 years old, and he's like crying for his mother. He's like, no, it's not me. It's not me. Please don't let him take me. And then when you f- turns out, oh, this is all a lie, that's when, I mean, I remember being like, oh, wow. I mean, that was just awesome. So, uh, Well, yeah. it's, it's incredible, and it's actually more believable than yeah. the movie because at the end of the day, it's – his his parents just felt bad for him. Like his mom just wanted to take his place so that he could live. Like as heartbreaking as that is, that's actually believable. Right, because she's she's on her deathbed at that point. Right, and, and she's like, "Well, like, let me just change. It doesn't matter." Yeah, and um, and the Winky the whole time it turns out knows what's going on, and won't just won't tell them. And Dobby's even like, "You know, I'm trying to." Trying to get her to realize she doesn't have a master anymore. Uh, however, you know, it just it ends and it's sad ending. Uh, I mean, especially Crouch. You know, we've talked a bit about Barty Crouch Jr., but Barty Crouch Sr. He spent his whole life detesting the dark arts, and it turns out he actually he broke the law. He, I mean, he was high. He had a huge, huge secret, and just shows that not all people, as Sirius said, you know, they're all Death Eaters and heroes. Uh, everybody's got a little bit of light and darkness in them. So. Mm, and that's a great quote. Yep. Great quote to describe it. So, Great. Well, Eric, uh, thank you so much for joining us on another podcast. Um, these have been a lot of fun. I'm enjoying them a lot. So, Always good to talk about Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. Very easy. So, um, We'll just do a quick pitch for everyone, but we are going to be doing a mailbag here soon. So we're going to be pausing the Harry Potter uh, 
series that we've been doing here just because Game of Thrones is starting up. And we're excited about Game of Thrones. <laughs> so, Winter is coming. <laughs> but yeah, so we're going to be doing a different Game of Thrones podcasts. Um, those are going to be really, really exciting leading up to the season eight premiere, which is the final season. So if you haven't started watching Game of Thrones, start watching now. It's worth it. So it's such a great show. Uh, so continue down that path. Um, but yeah, send us your mailbag questions on any Harry Potter related matters. Uh, we'd love to hear them. And that way we can just kind of toss them around, answer those questions, and then we'll move on to Game of Thrones. So Eric, any last words for everybody? Or Thank you all for listening. Yeah, always make sure to subscribe and follow us on our social media platforms. We always like that. So, great. Well, thank you guys.